Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, episode 281. We're going to recap some spring games here, people. But first, I have to shout out this guy who is sitting across from me, who is the hardest working man in the business, who did the spring, the Clemson spring game. Wow, I just pulled my headphone out. If you're on YouTube, you can see that. Um, who did the Clemson spring game yesterday, we're recording this Sunday, and teleported to St. Louis, Missouri, and is about to do an XFL game this afternoon. Mac, how do you do it, my friend? You know, just the, the love and support of my wife, Kaki McLean. Shout and, uh, out to Kaki. Yeah, that, that's the only way uh, that, that it's possible. But I do want to show you. I'm going to flip you guys around here just for a second because I want to show you this cool view of St. Louis. So we're here. We've got the arch. We've got cool, like, Cardinal Nation down there. Cool. Uh, the, the baseball stadium over yonder. Um, I've never been to St. Louis, so this is fun. You know, you're, you're traveling the world. Uh, I'll give you guys a little behind the scenes of the glamorous life of, of yes so glamorous I always tell y'all um you know it's cool and we we do love it like there's nothing like what we're doing but some of the things that we we do uh, to get to where we need to be is just nuts uh so call the game um which went till 3 30 4 o'clock or so um uh, mm-hmm. you know spend like two hours an hour with you know amelia and khaki and pack uh drive to the charlotte airport take off and of course of course, of course, good, sweet American Airlines. You know, Kelly, it always takes care of us. Uh, we love them. Like an hour and a half. Uh, the first little bit was for weather, which I was like, cool. The second little bit, which was a long bit, was because we didn't have ice for the planes. We could not leave. So we all are just sitting here for an hour <laughs> waiting to leave for this iceless airplane. And I end up landing in St. Louis at like 2 a.m. Uh, finally get to the hotel. I'm going to go to bed till 3 a.m. And uh, here we are about to call a game. So it's uh, XFL. <laughs> Check it out. It's already insane. Over. You guys watching, but uh, it is, it's a fun weekend. This is why we do it. This is why we do it. Mac, that is legit. And Mac, of course, is going to kill the broadcast today. So there's no doubt about it. And he was keeping up to date with all the other spring games as well, because we're going to hit on some of those. He called the Clemson game with Roy Philpott and Taylor Tannenbaum. I thought the broadcast was highly entertaining. You guys did a great job. Dabo just took over. I mean, <laughs> that's the easiest paycheck of the year right there for you. That's right. It's so easy, KG. He just, and he loves it. I mean, he really does. It's so funny. I think the XFL has had a little influence yeah. in his broadcasting vision because he was going up to players. He was going up to coaches. He's doing mid-game interviews. We need to pull him over for you know like an XFL playoff game, get him on the sidelines. He can do it. I like it. I like it, Mac. Okay, so – Today we're going to hit on Clemson, and we're going to do Florida State on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. But we just we decided to split it up evenly. We almost did like a spring game draft, and we just split up the two episodes. The next episode will come out Wednesday. So today we're going to talk about Clemson, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and then Duke and Louisville, who play this weekend. We're going to talk about what to watch for them. So those are the teams we're hitting on today. Quick hitters, everything you need to know from what we saw from these teams in their spring games. But first, Mac, I know you had the pleasure, because you were in Clemson over the weekend, you had the pleasure to go by Ingalls and just have an amazing time. You walk into an Ingalls, and it's a magical place. Yeah. 
Tell us more about your visit to Ingalls when you were in Clemson. Well, you know, it's a bit nostalgic for me, KG, because if you guys remember, I've told this story a couple of times that that was the Ingalls that I was raised by. You know, we we grew up. It's Aquina. Right? It's Aquina. And, uh, you know, I just remember, again, all those fun stories of, you know, if you you were a student athlete in college, some people, some people hate it. I, I loved it. Summer was the best because oh, the best. athletes were the only people on campus. So we were the only ones there. Uh, and, and our schedule was just so relaxed. It was so great. Literally, we would wake up every day, go work out, go to, you know, in summer school, you do one class, maybe two if you're a nerd, uh, you know, two class, and then you're done all day. And so we go volleyball, go to Ingalls to get food, cook out, and then pool all day long. That's literally what we, we, we would do all summer for a million straight days. And uh, it was nostalgic to me because I was just thinking of all those good times that that Ingalls on its Aquina Trail uh, helped to provide. And, and we did a little cookout, you know, before the, the, the spring game. I didn't get a tailgate necessarily, uh, but, you know, night before we got to get after it, had some family in town. Uh, Rhino Mac, shout out to him and Athena. Uh, and, and then, of course, my in-laws were in town as well. So we had a big time and uh, all thanks to that Ingalls right there. I love it, Mac. A trip down memory lane. I also got to meet Amelia before we all went to the all-in ball. That was and it the highlight was, of the weekend, to be honest. Man, it was the best day of my life. Uh, she is the cutest baby I've ever seen. She is so freaking sweet. Okay, we got to get to some football. But first, here's a message from our great partner over at Ingles. At Ingles, we know your closest companions are the ones who are always there for you. The ones you trust to have your back, no matter what who make the hard times a little softer and the good ones somehow a little better. That's what family is all about, whether they walk on two legs or four. Ingalls, all the ingredients for family. All right, Mac, let's talk. Let's start with Clemson. Let's start with the Tigers. First and foremost, the game that you did. There's a lot of takeaways, again, I want to preface all this by saying it's a spring game. You really do not know much at all from a spring game. Quarterbacks weren't live for any of these um, teams that I could see. A lot of these teams weren't even tackling. UNC was just doing thud on defense. Georgia Tech ran like two coverages. So we'll get to all that. But since you called the game, Mac, let's just start. Your initial thoughts on Clemson's spring game. Yeah, I think – Man, the, the competitiveness was really good to see if, if you're a fan, you know, to, to see all the you know different situations Clemson got to be in. Um, you know, the, Dabo Sweeney does it where he he divides these teams as evenly as he can. Now, there's a lot of injuries, which that was very evident, I, I think, from, you know, the jump when you see the first team offense and there's three missing offensive linemen, two missing wide receivers and, you know, one of the best running backs in the entire country not playing. In Will Shipley, so so that was something where you're like, okay, you know, what, what are we really going to see here? Um, on top of you know, just trying to be a little bit vanilla, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you bring in new coordinator, new system. I'm not showing you anything, you know what I'm saying? So very base plays were, were run there, um, but at the end of the day, it was a good competitive game where you know it, it took to the very end to win the game. So from a viewer standpoint, you know, it was exceptional. Now, would, would you probably want a little bit better execution? Would you want some some bombs through the air for touchdowns from, you know, K. Klubnik? Probably. Uh, but again, just remember who he's throwing to, not having his his starting guys out there, um, and, and the timing of all of it. That was one defense 
versus one offense. And that's mm-hmm. about as, as balanced and as good as you could want it to be because if don't forget how good that Clemson defense is going to be, you know, at the, at the end of the day. So for me, from, from this like 10,000 foot view KG, I don't know how you could have scripted it any better. I don't think there were any major injuries, maybe Hamp Green, you know, it looked like he got tackled kind of strange there. Um, so I, I'm hoping that, you know, from an injury standpoint throughout the ACC, you know, we, we don't see anything crazy. I, I don't think we did. Right. And, and of course, that's why you hold out some players. You don't play Shipley, things like that. I want to stick with the offense. And, and don't worry, we'll get to Peter Woods. We'll, we'll discuss Peter Woods. But Kate Klubnick finished the day 18 of 33 for 190 and two interceptions. He did not have a passing touchdown. I thought he started off really well. The first quarter, he was it was humming. He was hitting Brenning stool across the middle. He was making plays. It just felt like, you know, he had those two picks that were both tipped. So tips or picks. I heard Dabo say it 17 times on the broadcast. It's still, and I know it's hard. He talked about purple jersey syndrome when you know you're not getting tackled. So it's different sure. from a quarterback perspective. But I still think the thing that we talked about after the Orange Bowl and that a lot of people have talked about and the thing that Cade still has to improve upon is that pocket presence, when to get rid of it, when to run, like that kind of stuff. I still think he's got a little ways to go. Is that too harsh? Is that what you saw? You you know, I I think that um, I think that there were certainly those glaring things like the two picks. Again, even though they were great plays by the defense. um, the the a couple of times where Coach Sweeney said that would have hurt, like you would have been dead. You know that that guy would have got you. You got to get the ball out. Um, that would have hurt, Klubnik. Yeah, I think there's like four of those. You know that that just at the end of the day, I think um, you know the, those are things that people remember the best. But there were a ton of plays, KG, that his escapability, his ability to to create when things go bad, is probably one of his best attributes outside right. of his poise as a leader and just his accuracy as a passer, but he gets out in space. He creates things. You saw his legs and, you know, kind of when things broke down, it wasn't designed runs where he was really making things happen. So I saw some growth there and how quickly he was processing again, understanding he cannot get hit all these <laughs> things. Um, so that purple Jersey syndrome is a real thing. Uh, but I saw, I saw dramatic improvement, you know, from him. I saw the middle of the field, being utilized, something that Clemson fans can really, you know, get excited about. And again, condensed playbook, more than half of his offensive line not available and half his receiving core. So this is going to be a totally different looking Clemson team, you know, come August 1st. And just what, month three of Garrett Riley's offense and really just spring. Really 15 days of practice. Yeah, 15 days of practice. So a, a lot of growth to be had for sure. Let's flip it to the defense because the defense looked really good, Mac. And, I mean, the linebackers were on point. We talk about Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter. Khalil Barnes was ridiculous. He's an exciting new prospect for Clemson. Makuba looked good. But let's talk about Peter Woods. And I want you to tell me. <laughs> so Mac and I both attended Dabo's charity event on Friday night. It was great. They raised a bunch of money. It's just, they keep all the money in the state of South Carolina. We love it. Peter Woods was there. Peter Woods is a is a unit, um, a unit of a man. And Mac and I always say, let's not overhype these freshmen. That that's like the hill Mac and I want to die on. Is right. do not compare so and so to a freaking New Hopkins, please. Yep. Yep. However, I feel like Mac specifically and me, obviously, I think everyone is, is starting to buy this Peter Woods hype. 
Yeah. What do you What do you say, sir? I mean, it, it's when I went to practice, KG. That was like you know, you ha I have these kind of checkoffs or this list of of stuff. When when I go to somebody's practice, I, I want to get these things accomplished in in my head. And you know, number one was is Peter Woods that guy? You know, everything that you know I had, I had seen and written and heard is just people going crazy about this young man. And I'm like, man, he hadn't played a, a, a down, you know, like a game, anything. And, uh, you know, what's the hype all about? And, and so the first people I talked to is the strength staff. And then I talked to, you know, some GA, some support staff. And then I talked to, you know, Nick Eason, his defensive line coach. Then I want to talk to the opposing offensive linemen that are going against him. And everyone says the same thing. Everyone says that this guy is just far and above. And I ask why, like, how, what does that mean? And it, it starts with just his demeanor, his confidence, his, his like, want to he's so dialed in and then you look at the physical side where he he's just this ball of muscle this just freak who really you know i've heard the christian and dexter and all these different things to me it's more it's closer to grady jarrett like like mm. he similar in stature i think he's a little bit bigger but the 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 player that i think he can be is that grady jarrett type of guy who who was you know, up until the last maybe season, the highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. Maybe he's going to be back to that. I don't know. So, you know, that's the type of <clears throat> player I think we're getting, you know, as a Clemson, you know, fan, when you look at that guy and the things that he's going to be able to do. So he made eight stops himself, you know, in the spring game, he blocked an extra point. I mean, he, he was wreaking havoc. But the most impressive thing, KG, and I know this is, again, just a freshman, there's a lot of good on this defense, his closing speed was nuts. I mean, he was tracing running backs. He was step for step with Cade Klubnick on, on a scramble drill. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, this guy is nuts. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> there's going to be a learning curve. He's going to have to figure it out. Like, he's going to be playing against really good teams, really good offensive lines. But he, he's right there. I mean, he's ready to contribute now. I think the hype, people are starting to buy the hype a little more. When you hear, you know, He's a mix between Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins, two of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, yeah. and two of the best that have ever played for Clemson. You think, okay. Um, but I, I like the Grady Jarrett comparison, and Grady, I think, didn't get as much hype as he deserved while at Clemson. He was a fourth-round pick, I believe. Obviously, he lived, he did what he did. He's done what he's done in the NFL. He sacked Tom Brady three times in the Super Bowl. He's, he's one of the best defensive tackles in the entire NFL. So he'll get more hype. Uh, Peter Woods already is getting more hype than a guy like Grady Jarrett. That's and right. Would you say, too, Peter Woods bigger than Grady Jarrett was as a freshman, for sure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, taller now. I mean, still, he, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's just a bigger guy. Um, and, you know, I think that that's where, that's where the comparison to me make, makes more sense when, when mm -hmm. I see that. KG, I've also got it. You mentioned those linebackers. i got to touch on them real yeah. quick. I know, I know. The UNC, but Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter. I mean, I already had in my mind that they were – you know, two of the best, if not the two best, you know, linebackers in the country, the way that they reacted, you know, to plays, there was, there was this play down towards the goal line where Clemson's running kind of this, you know, kind of stretch zone outside zone where they think they have leverage. They think they have numbers, great play call. Let's get it done. Those guys scraped over the top, just reacted so fast. Clemson didn't have a chance. It was a tackle for loss. You know, they're thinking touchdown, Clemson defense is like, no, man, that ain't going to work against these boys. And so just to see their leadership, to see their growth, you know, they, Dabo, Coach Sweeney put them on the mic a couple of times and to hear their, you know, in-game confidence uh, was really special. And then Wade Woodaz, 
who Coach Sweeney loves, I mean, was making plays all over the field. So that combination of three, I think, has a real chance to be the best linebacking core in the entire country. Yeah, I agree. I think that was something you could see with your own two eyes when you watched um, those three play in Clemson's spring game. So let's get on to some of these other teams here, Mac. North Carolina, I want to talk about UNC. They did a little bit of a different format. It wasn't a full game, but overall, I mean, Drake May looked phenomenal. He was 10 for 13 for 159 yards, two touchdowns in four series of work. And I think the biggest thing here when you talk about replacing Josh Downs, right, you talk about replacing some of these guys for North Carolina, UNC's done a good job of going to the portal. And Tez Walker and Nate McCollum were the two guys that caught touchdown passes from Drake May in this game. Both looked really good. It feels like wide receiver, as long as everyone stays healthy, you can kind of check that box off for North Carolina. And I thought it was also a very good sign that British Brooks was back. He wasn't in a yellow jersey. He was full contact. So getting some of these guys back for North Carolina, getting reloading from a weapon standpoint, it feels like the offense is going to be fine. Yeah. The defense looked better. Now, it's a spring game, and I know you're kind of laughing at me, Mac. Kamon Rucker looked really good. Miles Murphy, Kevin Hester, these guys. Travis Shaw didn't even play because um, he was hurt. So it's I, – I'm encouraged. I know it's a spring game, Mac, but I, I'm encouraged. Yeah, I, I, I want to start on the offense and Drake. I mean, just looks so pure. I mean, that guy is yeah, – he, Easy. He's so good. He's so good. And, and you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see just the expectation, you know, going into this year for, for him, for Williams um, – you know, and you talk about Heisman. I think that's what everyone starts like. That's the that's the the moment where you're like, okay, can he do that? Then he's really good. Um, can those guys reach the expectation point to, to even you know sniff that award? Probably. Um, but he's. I think he's gonna be the the first overall you know player taken. He he's just he's that good. He's that polished. He's only gonna have another year here. You know, of development going into summer and. It's going to be really exciting, KG, to see the things that, that he's able to do. And at, as you said, my biggest question mark was weapons. And, and mm-hmm. who's going to step up? Who's going to be the guy? Great to see those two receivers that they went and got in the portal that you know we, we've spoken about before on this podcast that, hey, if these guys can come in and do that thing, look out. It's going to be business as usual. And that's exactly what they were able to do. So great to see that. Uh, good to see the offensive line playing at, at a pretty high clip there. Those guys just, again, with – the new scheme, new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you know, coming in there. Can, can we get that sack number down? That's going to be the most important thing, I think, for this offense, just to get rid of all those negative plays. You know, what can that be? What can that look like? And then, like you said, defense. Can, can they get 1% better? You know, that, that'll be a – Just big, one? Yeah. I mean, it's such a big indicator, I think, KG, that uh, really can you know, really can change the, this team and get them into that level. You know, you and I have talked about a lot – who's going to be that second-tier team to really force the issue with mm-hmm. Clemson, Florida State, like we've all already deemed it, and, and can you know Carolina do it? I, I'm hoping for more than 1% better, um, I think, with this defense. <laughs> I think it needs to be a little just, better than that. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple man. I'm a simple You're saying 1% every day, right, Mac? Uh, sure, whatever you want. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. Mac Brown did say this after their game. He said, "We're for, from a defensive perspective, we're quicker off the ball. We're playing with lower pads. We're using our hands better. We're penetrating. We're being more violent. That's something we have to do to disrupt the offense and something that we haven't done in the past. I'm excited that we've really challenged those guys. So I think, I mean, look, Mac, as we know, is a GOAT, but he's also he's a PR mastermind. 
But if you watch some of the clips from the game, you do feel like this defense looked better, looked more violent, as he's saying, looked more physical. Yeah. And it's year two for Gene Chizik, and I think that's that's just where you've you've got to take that step. You have the offense. You and to Max's point, you don't have to get, you don't have to become one of the best defenses in the country, but you need to get to I would say maybe the middle of the pack in the league. Right. I mean, shoot, if they're middle of the pack, I mean you're you're in a really good spot. You're feeling great. Yeah, you're a whole different team. Um, <laughs> and I think what what you know you just read there from Mac Brown, Coach Mac Brown, that that's the biggest area for. Was it been two, three years now that we've yeah. sit here and said you have to improve? That's where all those stars were. I know a lot of guys have have transferred out or, or things of that nature, but still, that's the difference maker. Can you create tackles for balls? Can you create sacks, negative plays? You know, and and be able to shut down the run. And it's a different ball game. You're you're playing a different game if you're able to do that. And that'll be the biggest thing that I'm paying attention to all year long. You know, for North Carolina. Yeah. We talk about defense with UNC. Let's talk about Wake Forest. I did not see much defense in this spring game. Are you complaining? What's wrong with that? <laughs> no, no, no. It was entertaining. Mitch Griffiths, he looks the part, y'all. 19 of 29 for 315, two touchdowns. He was slinging it all over the yard. You had some young wide receivers step up and have 100-yard um, spring games. Wesley Grimes had 10 catches for 157 yards. What the heck? Donovan Green looked really good. Three catches for 111. I think he had a 49-yard catch and a 50-yard catch. So the deep ball is already humming for Wake Forest. I do feel like, Mac, too, with the defense, you know, if you're the Wake defense, I always wonder how that works in practice. I know you've been to Wake's practices because you're not going up, uh, you're not going up against other teams that run the slow mesh. Right. So that may be a little odd for you to defend. But in the end, I'm not trying to make excuses here. It was an offensive showcase. And I'm, I'm good with that. That's what we saw from the Deeks, Mac. This is, this is all I can say is sleep on Wake Forest if you want to. That <laughs> offense is going to be just what we They're always score. expect. They're going to score. It's going to be at a high pace. Uh, the receivers are stacked. And uh, Mitch Griffiths looks like he, he's going to be just fine. We, we saw yeah. him in game one, week one last year. And uh, it was business as usual. Uh, and so that's really what I, I expect to see, you know, this year from Wake Forest as well. It's just, you know, when come November, what can we do? You know, that's always going to be the stigma, uh, you know, with Wake Forest until proven otherwise. But I think those guys are going to be solid. Uh, I think they're going to win a bunch of games. And offensively, I mean, they're going to be right along with anybody in the ACC in regards to scoring and yards and, and explosive plays. Yeah, and that's kind of my point with the Wake defense is they're not defending the mesh. So it's it's hard to judge them um, right. from the, a spring game like that. But I also heard Dave Clawson talking about Griffith saying this is his – I believe this is his third spring. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been there, and he's been behind Sam Hartman. He knows this offense like the back of his hand. I also feel like Sam Hartman, with how loyal he was to Wake, he wouldn't have left and moved on if he didn't feel like Wake was in really good hands. And perhaps even if Griffiths deserved a shot, right? It didn't deserve to sit yeah. another year. So and I don't I don't think that that, you know, necessarily had, like you said, all of it to do with it. But no, I no, no. But a little part. Similar to, to Pittsburgh. You know, we, we heard a couple of those defensive linemen say, you know, it's time for me to move on. It's time for these yeah. young guys to, to get a shot. And, you know, it, it is interesting that guys even factor that in, you know, to their decisions and, and their thinking. But you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense and just want a fresh start. I, I think that that maybe had a part to do with Devin Leary as well and, and him mm-hmm. transferring, you know, to Kentucky. So it, it's an interesting thing, a brand new piece 
of, of, of this crazy college football puzzle. Uh, the NC State quarterback situation is very interesting. We'll talk about that on Wednesday's episode. Let's get to two more spring games that happen, and then we'll preview a few. Georgia Tech and Boston College. I think you've got to be pretty encouraged from what you saw from Georgia Tech offensively. Zach Pyron was the first quarterback out there. He finished 11 for 16 for 153 and a touchdown, so I think he looked really solid. Running back room looked like they have a lot of guys to use. Malik Rutherford had seven catches for 154 yards. I will say this as I was reading some reports from the Georgia Tech spring game that <laughs> um, Coach Key explained that the defense didn't really do anything. They didn't mix up anything with blitzes. They played two coverages all game. They wanted to keep it very vanilla. So the offense was able to kind of do their work. Maybe this was a way to help the offense build some confidence. If you're a defensive guy, Mac, is that a little annoying going into the spring game? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're handcuffed. Like, we're not going to do anything? Yeah, hey, hey guys, here's the deal. You're going to run cover three all day. Have yeah, fun. what? We have all our cover three beaters. Here they go. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit annoying. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what spring ball is. It's how can you do an adversity how can you, you know, figure it out and, and you know, be put in these situations that you know, might happen in a game? Who knows? If, if they call the perfect cover three beater, you, you got to defend it. You got to find yeah. a way to get it done. But surely uh, probably not the most accurate representation of what the Georgia Tech defense will look like. You know, they, they, they certainly have their chaos packages. They're going to bring it uh, and, and blitz. I can guarantee you that. Uh, but but it was good, good to see, you know, fun to see, you know, this Georgia Tech team making some improvement. We, we both really like Coach Key and, and love when an alumni takes over a school and, you know, think that that is, is a different amount of juice. So going to be fun to see, you know, what this first era, what this first season, you know, looks like from, from Coach Key after getting some great momentum, you know, last year as the interim. Um, Mac, the spring game that honestly concerned me the most, and I know Boston College fans are like, Kelly, just don't, just don't. Boston College, okay. Emmett Moorhead, who had some really good moments last year in replacing Dracovic when he got hurt, I thought he looked fine. He was good on some of those intermediate throws. Deep ball wasn't really there. Mahogany did not play. Star offensive lineman for BC, so you're still holding out some guys. The DBs, the defense actually for BC looked very good. The DBs had five interceptions in the game, two coming from Amari Jackson. I know that's what Jeff Halfley is known for, but... And that's the problem with spring games is there's always give and take. You could say, okay, well, we had five picks, but right. <laughs> our quarterbacks threw all those picks. So I don't know. I, I still think Boston College has a long way to go. But I think Moorhead is a talented guy oh, yeah. at quarterback. But the turnovers and just he's got to be able to do a little more. Yeah, and, and the long balls, I mean, it's going to be a big piece of, of that offense. I they mean, need they it. Have to be able to connect on that. And, you know, it, maybe it's just a bad day and it stinks that it was televised, right? Like at the end of the day, it's the one that – we all get us, um, but I, I think that still the biggest concern or biggest thing that needs to be addressed, you know, for Boston College is going to be that offensive line. It has to be dramatically better, uh, you know, because last year is number one just not sustainable. You know, people are going to get hurt, uh, and, and you, you've got to get it going. So if the defense can be that, if those defensive backs can can you know kind of get back to outside of last year, what we've seen from BC since Coach Shaffley has been there then you're in a good spot and you can fight and you can make some stuff happen and, and create turnovers and, you know, turnover margin, all those different things are very important, you know, in, in conference games and when things get really close. So, you know, how can they build on that? What things can they do? Um, but a lot of pieces, you know, are going to be replaced, you know, on the BC side. How are they going to do it? Who's going to step up, you know, come fall? 
Well, we know Halfley's a defensive guy, and he was also excited about the D-line. They brought in some transfers. They've got a Michigan transfer on there. These two, looking- like North Carolina, KG, they, they've yeah. got pressure. I mean, they, yeah, they've been exactly. towards the bottom, if not at the bottom, at right. sacks, for loss, all those things for the last couple of years now. And I think BC's got to hit the portal again in, in April 30th, so a lot more to come there. Okay, two more spring games that are coming up, and then the, if we didn't hit on your team today, we're going to hit them on, on Wednesday for sure, Florida State, NC State. Miami, those schools are coming on Wednesday. Duke spring game is this Saturday. Louisville's is this Friday. When I was looking up some stuff about how Duke spring practices have been going, I think Duke's feeling really good overall, Mac. The offense, a lot of the same pieces. Graham Barton has been out the star tackle, but that's not really a concern. Riley Leonard and, and the wide receivers are still gelling. I like what Mike Elko said. He, they they've went to the portal, Mac, and this is this is what I think you do if you're a team like Duke. They have, bringing in the portal, they brought in seventh-year DB Miles Jones, sixth-year DB Al Blades, and sixth-year D-tackle Jamion Franklin to help boost that defense. So you're not, you know, you're never going to get the five stars at Duke, but you can get the 25-year-olds. <laughs> Was I playing with them? Like, that's crazy. You can get the 25-year-olds, Mac. Seven and two six-years. That's My crazy. Um I mean, is like AARP sponsoring the defensive I mean, side of the These ball? guys, like high school class of 2015, I don't even know. That's crazy. <laughs> hey, whatever what? it takes. You know, if, if that's what you need, if you need leadership and you need guys who are who are ready, um, go do it. Go do it. That, that's crazy that we're in, in this world. I, when does the COVID year, like, run out? Like, when does that stop? Is it coming Technically, the – upcoming seniors are the last ones with a COVID year. All right, so it was we're the juniors done. this year. We're almost done. I can't wait to get almost. it. My gosh. That's but just, people will figure out. Talk about roster management and all these things. I mean, yeah. people have just been straight. And the high schoolers that have been affected. Anyway, very excited. Riley is going to – man, he he is such a dog, such just a, a you know straight shooter, really good player. Um, I think he's only going to get better. I cannot wait to see game one – welcoming the Tigers. That's you know, right. Played. Um, it's going to be incredible and a great litmus test really for both teams. We'll know you know, where they are immediately. Um, and just the things that I'm hearing, the progress that he's making, the, the again, connections with his wide receivers. We saw it last year, only going to be better this year. Jordan Moore, I expect to take a really big step. Technically, athletically, he can go with anybody a year ago, but now the, 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 just way he runs his routes, the way he does things, I think it should really take a big step forward. And then this salty defense, a lot of guys that had already decided to come back, uh, you know, that, that wanted a little bit more of this Elko era, uh, and then some of these old heads that are coming in. So I'm, I'm excited about Duke. I, I mean, every time I do radio with, you know, EJ on Sirius or, or, or mm-hmm. Chris Budden, any of these folks, you know, that, that I sit down and talk with, when they ask me who's a team – that maybe nobody's talking about. We get, you know, the Carolinas, the FSU, the Clemson. I always say Duke. Duke. And I think that they really have a shot, KG, to make some noise. It's funny to look ahead to their spring game because I don't really think you have a lot of questions at all. You have the answers. Please, my gosh. You know where the answers are. A team that does have some questions is Louisville. I want to finish here with, with the Louisville Cardinals. Their spring game is this Friday, April 21st. They have added 12 players from the portal since the winter, which is, I think, kind of what you have to do if you're Jeff Braun because you lost a lot of guys in the portal when Satterfield left. From what I'm reading, former Purdue and Cal quarterback Jack Plummer, he played for Braun at Purdue. 
is the guy. He continues to have a stranglehold on QB1. He looks uh, the most technically sound. He looks like he's going to be that guy. They've brought in four wide receivers from the portal, so just seeing how those guys look in um, the spring game. I've also read that the defense is just kind of reloading, Mac, and the defense has been pretty dominant in spring practice as well. So that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and that's tough, right? When you have a defense – you know, that, that, that is so good and maybe a rebuilding offense, that's a yeah. struggle, man. When you have to go against those guys and you're like, that that's when you put in the rules, hey, no blitzing, two coverages. That's all you're going to do. So maybe – Gosh, we, if I was a defensive guy, I'd be so annoyed. Would you go rogue? You're just like looking at the guys, hey, we're not doing that. Like Foxfire 2, here we go. Maybe. There's just – there's no basketball equivalent for that. I would I would just there's be not. so annoyed. There's not. There's Maybe four on five. They pull a girl off. Yeah, true, true. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we'll see. I mean, what, when I think of Louisville, you know, biggest question marks that, that, that I have is, you know, just playmakers on the outside. Can, can we get guys to take the top off, going downfield, making big plays? Mm-hmm. Uh, consistency from the quarterback, you know, position number one, availability. Just you know, the, can it be the same guy for the entire season? Um, you know, running back. I think we saw some good progress from you know some young and available guys that that'll be there this season. You know, towards the end of the year, offensive line. I'm not worried about that. That's just what they do. They'll they'll reload and get guys there. Um, and then just ultimately excited about Coach Brom and yeah. you know the things that he's going to do. Everyone that I've spoken to that has anything to do with Louisville says that we are more excited right now than we've been in a very long time. Like, to get a guy like that, we mentioned it with Georgia Tech, to have an alum come back and to lead your program, there's a lot of juice. And, and so I hope that stadium gets filled up. I hope that support is there. And then ultimately on the field, you know, those guys able to do what they do. When you look at their schedule in the fall, no Clemson, no Florida State. Make some noise. Take that gift and do something with it, you know, because you've seen both of them for the last whatever years you've been in the ACC. And that's the other thing I'm intrigued too, Mac. It's a good point. Their game's Friday night. I want to see what the crowd looks like. With all the hype we've heard around Jeff Brom and how excited people are, I think as long as the weather holds up and all that, hopefully it's a, it's a good crowd and can kind of start the momentum of the Brom era. No doubt. No doubt. Well, this is fun, KG. We'll, we'll have some more uh, later. The rest this- of the team's coming Wednesday. Max has got to go call a game. I got to go. I got to get ready. We're, <laughs> we're about to drive to the stadium. I need to get dressed here. Uh, but this Dope. was super fun, breaking down some ACC spring games. We really appreciate you guys. So that's it from this episode of Gramlick and McLean, presented by our great friends over at Ingles. Uh, really appreciate their support and everything that they do for us. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, go over there. Come on, make an account, subscribe. I just found out my wife, Kaki, just subscribed. Come on, Kaki. you got to get all into this thing. I didn't know she had a YouTube uh, account or whatever, so that's great. She, she's adding to it. She's, she's adding to the numbers there. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.